Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Remain standing with me, please, for the reading of God's Word, Revelation chapter 5. Thank you for coming to the Buford Church of God today. You could have been a lot of places. You had to drive by some great churches to get here, and we don't take it lightly. We are honored that you have chosen to gather with us today. And I want to say to those of you who are looking for a place to serve, a place to worship, welcome home. This is your church. We would love to have you. There's room at the foot of the cross for all of us. And we believe that God has caused a divine intersection today to cause you and I to be in this sanctuary together so that God's glory can be revealed in this moment. Would you take the word of God and hold the scriptures close to your heart? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help me pay attention. You know how I am. Pray, Lord, we would focus. I pray, Lord, that we would not be distracted by any of the cares of this world or the thoughts that try and clutter our mind. Let me not spend the entire time worried about whether or not someone else is here or someone else is getting it. I pray, God, that I would know that it's me, it's me, it's me that stands in need of your touch. Help me slide my feet under the master's table today for he's calling across the porch of heaven Come and dine, come and dine. Knowing that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Help me feast at the table of the master today. and Receive it into my spirit, O God, in the name of Jesus. Would you stretch your hands toward me, Heavenly Father? I pray you'd anoint me to preach. I pray your face would shine on me, God, in the name of Jesus. Let your glory and your countenance fall on me like rain. Clothe me in the righteousness of Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and I'll be clean. Purify me, O God, and help me be what you have called me to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please remain standing. Revelation chapter 5, starting with verse 4. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us back to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice 
of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. Say amen at the reading of God's word. Hallelujah. You may be seated. This revelation story is the synapse, the, the moment, in my opinion, that ends the church age on earth and initiates the great tribulation. I believe that this is what's going on in heaven as we begin to see throughout the rest of the book those things that will be happening on earth. And this particular story brings great encouragement. It's our first introduction to heaven after the rapture. It's it's what we see when we're on the other side. And I look forward to this and I think the reason that my mind is focused on heaven today is because this has been a hard week for my family. My wife's aunt Norma passed away and we were in Florida for that funeral. It was a difficult death for my wife and family and we've been dealing with that grief. Not too long ago we lost Carmen. I don't know if you remember that great singer from years ago. Growing up to be a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled, testifying child of a king. I'm going to praise him in the morning, afternoon, and night, and then I'll sing about witnessing. I'm going to walk and talk and be like Jesus. You guys remember, right? Sunday's on the way. He, he's the one that actually really took the, the day with the song, The Champion, singing about God as a boxing champion, and we, we miss him. And this week we lost Norma, and we also lost Pastor Tim Kelly, a great friend of mine, he came to our church one Wednesday night and we lost him this week. It's, it's hard to lose friends that are that close. I know he's with God, but his precious little family, far too young to be facing death. And we had to say goodbye to him. And I know that you're probably already aware of this if you are connected to the church of God and our history in any way. But Dr. Paul Walker passed away. Paul Walker is my hero. I think he's arguably one of the greatest pastors of my lifetime. Built the great Mount Perrin Church of God. Put it in multi-campuses. Had such an extraordinary testimony. Changed the culture of Atlanta with this revival at his church. He would get on 91.5 and it didn't matter what I was going through. It didn't matter how dark the struggle or the... The storm that faced my life, you could get on there and hear Dr. Paul Walker. And all of a sudden, he'd hit a great scripture and say, Amen, Amen, and Amen. And you knew everything was going to be all right. And so this week, I've been thinking a lot about heaven. My heart's turned toward home. At Norma's funeral, the pastor read a poem that I had never heard before. I looked it up and I want to read it to you. Beams of heaven as I go through this wilderness below. Guide my feet in peaceful ways. Turn my midnight into days. When in darkness I would grope. Faith always sees a star of hope. And soon from all life's grief and danger. I shall be free someday. I do not know how long twill be. Nor what the future holds for me. But this I know if Jesus leads. I shall get home someday. Oftentimes my sky is clear. Joy abounds without a tear. Though a day so bright begun. Clouds may hide tomorrow's sun. 
There'll be a day that's always bright, a day that never yields to night. And in its light, the street of glory I shall behold someday. Harder yet may be the fight. Right may often yield to might. Wickedness a while may reign. Satan's cause may seem to gain. But there's a God that rules above. His hand of power and heart of love. And if I'm right, he'll fight my battle. And I shall have peace someday. Do I have a witness in the house that this is not our home? That one day there's going to be a great getting up morning. That the trumpet of God shall sound and an angel's going to shout. And the dead in Christ shall rise. And those that are alive and remain shall be called up to meet him in the air. God is going to rescue us from this home that we call earth. and Take us to that eternal home. And I want to turn your heart toward heaven today. Toward a very interesting point of this passage. We sing a song that the angels don't sing. Now, one of the worst things you can ever do is try and sing to a bunch of singers. Am I right, Pastor Bob? I mean, it stresses people out to, to get in front of a room. Can you imagine being invited to some of these video gatherings of these celebrities and, and them hand you the microphone and you're supposed to sing in front of all of these people? I don't know what I would do. I, I, I don't know how I would behave myself. Probably wouldn't be much different than it is here. But dealing with the pressure of singing in front of that audience. Well, one day the angels are going to fall silent. And they're going to be the audience. And these eternal singers that are in the presence of the Lord are going to pause long enough for the redeemed of God to sing a new song. Going to sing a new song in heaven. And I've often thought to myself, what qualifies you and I to sing a song that angels can't sing. What is it about our testimony that gives us the right to cause heaven to fall silent as we erupt as the great choir of glory? I believe I have a few things that the Lord has taught me through the years on this subject and I want to share them with you. I think one of the primary reasons that we get to sing that particular song is because we have lived our lives as wounded worshipers. When we sing, we get tired. We can exhaust ourselves in church. We can have difficulty trying to praise God when we get mentally exhausted or physically tired. So we're diminished by the moment. I've been around people who had to sing so many songs and they did so well and it was so beautiful as they sang the song but when the song service was over they had lost their voice. They couldn't speak above a whisper because their voice was wounded by the song. Pastor Todd, when he learned to play the guitar at Monroe Church of God, we would have a long service and after the service was over and we went particularly late into the day and he had to play song after song after song. You could walk up to him and he could hold his hand out and there would be bruises on his fingertips. As the vessel that sang the song was wounded by the occasion. Angels don't go through this. Angels live in eternity. They have perpetually renewed voices. 
They don't grow tired by the moment. They're not exhausted by the encounter. No, they're created for that moment in this divine health that they've received. They're never diminished. They're not wounded warriors or wounded worshipers. We are. As I was watching Pastor Todd play this guitar today, I thought to myself, this guitar is a wounded worshiper. It's fashioned from a tree, polished and pressured, put together in such a way that to strike it makes it resonate. Because there's so much tension in the wood, it creates a a beautiful sound because of the stress that it's under. Not only that, we string this instrument. And before the service, if you had had time to watch Pastor Todd prepare, he began to work with this wounded worshiper, and he would stretch the strings. He would tighten the strings until they were almost to the point of breaking. It would be as if there was such pressure on these strings that you would worry about the health of the instrument. Until each one of them was in perfect harmony with the other, in one mind, in one accord. And then he would take the pick and he would strike and wound the strings so that you and I could enjoy the music that comes from a finely created instrument of praise. And I think sometimes that's exactly the way I feel. I feel like my whole life's been under pressure. I feel like sometimes I'm not going to make it. Like there's somebody on the end of my life taking every string that I have and stretching it to the point that it's almost broken. And you think to yourself, am I going to be able to live through this moment? Oh, Father, why is it I have to endure this? It's not even making the right sound yet. It's just being stretched and abused. And then I'm picked up in the master's hand, no longer able to walk on my own. I can't even walk without holding on to his hand. He takes that great cross of Calvary, that pick of glory, and he lays it across the strings of my life. And I begin to say, naked came I into this world. Naked I shall depart. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I begin to glorify and magnify God and say, Though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Because a Christian doesn't lose their praise beside the grave. A Christian doesn't lose their praise. The more the devil puts on us, the louder we shout. The harder the times get, the more we glorify God. You've never heard me sing than when you hear me sing while I'm wounded. I'll praise God anyways. For this reason I was created. For this reason I was fashioned. So when the wounds of this world are perpetrated against the heartstrings of my life, I bring glory and honor to my King. I may be hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I may be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I may be persecuted, but not forsaken. I may be cast down, but not destroyed. I'm just being tuned by the Master. David said it so well. I will not praise God unless it cost me something. So one day when we get to heaven, those angels are going to stand back and look at those of us who praised him despite the pain. Doesn't matter what we've gone through all week, does it? Going to praise God anyways. So let me see if there's a witness in the house today.
that can say, it doesn't matter what hell threw at me. It doesn't matter what they say or he says or what's been done. It doesn't matter if I know how I'm going to pay the bills. I know my Redeemer lives. I know somewhere he's peeking through the lattice work. And when I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold. I came to the house today to glorify and magnify God. I'll lift up my voice in the sanctuary. I'll praise him in the morning. I'll praise him in the afternoon. I'll praise him at night. But I will not let the devil silence my song. I was created to praise my God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is in me. I bless his holy name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Made up my mind. I'm going to praise God. I'll tell you another reason the angels fall silent and we get to glorify God is because we live by faith, not by sight. I wasn't there when he parted the Red Sea, but the angels were. I wasn't there when he created heaven and earth, but the Bible says when he created all that you see, the angels clapped and shouted and praised the Lord. I wasn't there. I didn't get to see him thunder from Mount Sinai. I didn't get to see Abraham come off the mountain with his boy. After God provided the lamb. I didn't get to see Noah come out of the ark. I didn't watch the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Or Samson pick up the gates to the city under the spirit of God. Never got to watch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk out of a fiery furnace. Never saw David with a pocket full of rocks. Declare victory over a giant. Never got to watch Daniel come out alive of a lion's den or Jeremiah picked up out of a whale or with Ezekiel see the Lord's glory on the temple mount or with Isaiah say, I see the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. But the angels were there. Angels have always been there. They were there in Bethlehem when he was born in a manger. Angels announced to the shepherds, Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to you and all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And they began to shout over the glory of God's creation, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The angels were there to comfort him in the wilderness after he fasted 40 days. The angels were there in the garden of Gethsemane to comfort him when his sweat became drops of blood. Jesus testified to the pilot, the king of that area. He said, you don't have authority over me except what all authority has given to you. Know this, I have 10,000 angels that I can call right now that will rescue me from your hand. Literally, while Jesus was walking up Golgotha's brow, he carrying that cross, there were angels standing at attention, watching his every move. I'm sure if their heart had feelings of emotion, of, of destruction, as they saw their king being killed by the rank sinners of Jerusalem, I'm sure their hands trembled with anticipation as they said, just say the word. But like a lamb, Jesus went to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. They were there early one Sunday morning 
When they confronted the disciples with a question, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. They were there when Jesus ascended into heaven and they declared to the disciples, Why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? Know this, this same Jesus whom you saw go up will in like manner return to you one day. They've always been there, but I wasn't. I don't know the stories like they know them. I look through a glass darkly. I do the best I can. And Jesus said, blessed are they who having not seen and yet still believe. So I'll ask you a question. You believe all this stuff? You you never saw any of this. These stories are outlandish. This Bible is outdated. Nobody's reading it anymore. Big ships don't sail this way. Everybody's making fun of you. You actually going to sit there with your intelligence, your modern mind, and you're going to tell me that you believe that Noah came out of that ark? You actually believe that the walls of Jericho fell with a shout? Do you actually believe that Moses led the people of God on dry ground across a Red Sea riverbed or seabed? No. You actually believe he walked on water? Broke bread and fed 5,000? Healed that little girl and raised her from the dead. Healed the blinded eyes and caused them to see. Caused the lame to leap. You actually believe he picked up your cross and went up Galgotha's brow. Paid a price he didn't owe because you owed a price you couldn't pay. You actually believe that early one Sunday morning he rose from the dead. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. You actually believe. Somebody shouted, I believe. believe. You're not rewarded because of what you've done. We often think when we get to heaven, we're rewarded because of what we've done. You're only rewarded for what you've done if what you've done isn't under the blood. You have to be forgiven and cleansed. As far as the east is from the west, your sins need to be removed from you. So when you get to heaven, I'm not rewarded based on what I've done. I'm rewarded based on what I believe. Matter of fact, I don't want my reward. You know, we often use that phrase. This came to me when I was in the parking lot church. I was standing on the roof and the Lord hit me with this. We often say when they get their reward... I don't want my reward. Whatever I get, I'll just throw it at his feet. I don't want my reward. You know what my reward is? Hell. That's what I deserve. I deserve to be in hell by nightfall. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've got a pristine, perfect little personality and everybody loves you. So glad you showed up. But how many of you, if you got what you actually deserved, you'd already be dead? I don't deserve what I have now. I'm already overpaid. So when I get to the other side, I don't want my reward. The Bible says I'm not going to get my reward. The Bible says I'm going to get his reward. My actions are not remembered. It's his actions that are remembered. The Bible says I'm an heir of God. 
But I'm not just an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What he gets, I get. Whatsoever I've received from the Father, I now give to you. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. When I get on the other side, I receive his reward. So today I walk by faith and not by sight. Mark Lowry tells a very funny story about being caught in a tornado on a lake. He said he bought a houseboat, which is nothing more than a trailer on floats. So he got into his houseboat. He was sleeping through the night. And a tornado came out. Sounded like a train. Woke up and thought to himself, there's no trains on the lake. He looked outside that window and rain was coming in sideways. Lightning flashing and he thought to himself, how pretty. His ADD kicked in for just a moment. The lightning flashed again and he saw boats that were turned over. He's on the CB trying to call for help. It rocked. And it bucked, and it flipped, and it flopped, and he worried through the night whether or not he'd live. They all got out on the pier the next morning. They were all okay. And while he was standing there, and they were all talking about the night before, he made this statement. I'd have enjoyed it more had I known I was going to live through it. (laughs) When you're in the middle of it, you're afraid you're going to die. When you're in the middle of it, you cry out, Oh, Father, how long? When you're the one with the x-ray, when you're the one having to go to the hospital, when you're the one worried about the surgery, you don't know what to do. That's when you can't walk by sight. You've got to walk by faith. Because I think one day we're going to sit down at a table that's going to stretch for miles and miles and miles. We're going to feast at the master's table as the master calls out for the last time, come and dine, come and dine. We're going to be in a city whose builder and maker is God as God gives us that celestial reward of our faith. We're going to look at each other and we're going to start to laugh. I'd have had a better time if I'd have just known I was going to live through it. I've got good news for you, church. Hang in there. You're not rewarded because of what you've done. You're rewarded because of the uniform you wore. In this church, Brother Cox, our World War II veteran, he's gone on to his heavenly home and we miss him terribly. Brother Cox was here and we were calling down all of our veterans and all of our soldiers and everybody who served in our military. They were all down here and we were blessing them, giving them a gift and I made the mistake one year of letting everybody come hug them and give them the right hand of fellowship. And Joyce Martin said the widows of this church were throwing elbows trying to get down here to hug these soldiers. <laughs> but we, uh, we were enjoying our moment with them and blessing their life. And Brother Cox said, I don't really deserve to go down there. Brother Cox, why would you say that? You served in World War II. He said, I wasn't nothing but a cook. They just stuck me in the kitchen. And I cooked the whole time in that ship. 
I said, is that all you wanted to do? Is that what you told them? No, I don't want to do anything but cook. He said, no, I just put the uniform on. I told them I'd do whatever they told me to do. And they made me a cook. I said, well, what about now? I guess you're too old now, right? I mean, you're beyond your prime. What are you going to do if they called you now? He said, I'd put it back on today. And I'd serve, serve my country. I was proud to serve then. I'd be proud to serve now. I said, well, you get down there with the rest of them. Because it's not a matter of what you did. It's a matter of the uniform that you wore. It's a matter of the willingness of your heart. In church, maybe you haven't done much. Maybe we don't feel like we're very heroic. But I wear the uniform. What's my uniform? The Bible says I'm clothed in the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he gave me garments of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. The Bible says that I have a helmet called salvation. I have a breastplate called righteousness. I have feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel. I carry the shield of faith. I wear the uniform of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I may not be everything that somebody else can claim that they are. But this I know. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And when I get on the other side, I'm not going to be left out of singing that great song. Because I am a wounded Worshipper. And I'm one who's walked by faith and not by sight. It drives the devil crazy when you believe even though you can't see. But I believe ultimately the reason that we get to sing when the angels can't sing is because we've been redeemed. When we get to heaven, we can actually say, I once was lost. But now, I'm found. I once was blind. Now I see. Angels cannot be redeemed because their sin was committed in eternity. Without death, there is no remission of sins. We've always assumed that it meant the sacrifice. But death in itself is redemptive. Death separates you from the flesh which serves hell. And the soul returns to God. And if it's a slave to the Spirit of God, it's rewarded according to the faith that you had in this life. Death brings the possibility of redemption. Angels can't die, therefore they cannot be redeemed. When they fell, it was for eternity. But you and I, nah, we just used to be. But that guy's dead. Somebody talk to me. Used to be a drug addict. I used to be a person who broke all my promises. I used to be a liar and a cheat. Somebody give me a witness. But that's who I used to be. Thanks be unto God, the long arm of grace reached down into the valley of my sin and shame. Picked me up and washed me in his blood. Purified me by his power. Wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. As far as the east is from the west, my sins have been removed from me. God has called me to be his child. I'm redeemed. I've been bought back with a price. Now I belong to God. There was a little boy. He was quite artistic. Good little craftsman. Built himself a sailboat. 
little toy sailboat. Took his time to fashion the wood and to set the sails. It was perfect. It rained and he took it out in front of his house and put it in that little water that runs along the street. He chased it down the street and watched his beautiful sailboat go down a storm drain. He cried and he wept after he had lost the sailboat. One day while he was walking through town, he noticed in the window of a pawn shop his little sailboat. He goes in and the owner of this pawn shop was a very cruel owner. He only cared about money. He only cared about profit. The little boy comes in. He goes, that's my sailboat. I made that sailboat. If you look at it, my name's on the bottom of it. Son, I don't care what you did. It's mine now. If you want it, you've got to pay the price to redeem it. So that little boy goes home. He sells cans and he cleans yards and he cuts grass and he does whatever he has to do and he saves up enough money and he runs back to that pawn shop. He goes in and he slaps that money down on the counter and that pawn shop owner reaches up off that shelf and hands him that little sailboat and he runs out into the sunlight and he puts his little arms around that sailboat and he says, now you're twice mine. Once because I made you and twice because I bought you back. One day when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing a song because I'm twice his. Once because God made me, he put his name on me. While I was yet in my mother's womb, he knew me by name. I am fearfully and wonderfully made as God fashioned me and raised me up. But the devil had a plan for my life. And oftentimes I served the enemy and not God. And I lost my direction and my way. Oh, but thanks be unto God, I wasn't just once God's because he made me. I was twice God's because he redeemed me. He paid a price so that I could call on God's name and declare that I am the child of God he called me to be I want you to stand with me all over the house when we get to heaven we're going to sing a song and when we sing that song just indulge me I don't know this for certain but I I have it in my mind that this is true when we get to heaven I believe there's going to be a solo to start our song I think he's going to let one person sing it. And some would say, well, I guess that will be David, the man after God's own heart. And that would be a good choice. Some might say, well, maybe it's Moses, the friend of God. Or maybe it's Mary with the alabaster box, whose name was associated with the gospel. I believe that the person who opens the song is going to be the first convert, the only convert, of the ministry of Christ. He only had one convert. He had people that loved him. But when he died, they all lost hope. But there was one, the thief on the cross, who actually still believed that Jesus was going to be king. He had salvation unto the kingdom. He wasn't simply focused on what was happening to Christ then. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. God's calling you out from where you are. You've drifted from God. You're not where you should be and you know it. 
The Holy Spirit loves you enough to orchestrate a church service just like this one to give you an opportunity to say, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not where I should be. But today, I want to make it right with God. Would you slip up your hand all over this congregation? God bless you. 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 Anyone else? Pastor, it's me. God bless you. I see those hands. Say it with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm coming home. I'm sorry for what I've done. If you'll help me, I'll change. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thanks be unto God. I want to bless you. And as I pray over you, and I I must confess, this has gone beyond what it started out to be. I started praying favor over the church. And I did not... Go far beyond the words in my own heart. But I have started to realize that there's power in what I'm doing here. That when I start blessing your life, it's not me. It's the authority of the office that I hold. And the anointing that's on this church. This is making a difference in the people who belong to our church. God is is putting favor on your life. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And I'm going to ask God's favor to shine on you. But I bless you today. I bless you with beauty for ashes. I bless you with the oil of joy for mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. I pray that you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you go to bed. I ask God to have his favor on your family and his anointing to shine on your life. I ask God's glory and his countenance to give you peace. I ask God to bind the power of hell that's attacking your life. I ask God to relinquish that stranglehold of the enemy on the throat of your family. And I ask God that no weapon formed against you will prosper. I ask God that greater will be he that is in you than he that is of the world. I ask God that whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I ask God to let his glory shine in your life. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.